Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hello there, good people, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm Gareth Watkins, your host, coming to you from the mobile studio deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, where there's a tractor going past straight away, spraying the fields. <laughs> Good thing I've got the windows shut, or I'll get choked out by whatever it is they're spraying the field with. Such are the perils of recording from the countryside. Um, so, how are you all? Uh, I would say it's been a, I was about to say it's been a couple of weeks since I spoke to you, but of course it hasn't because I, I felt compelled to um, put something out there last week. Uh, there was so much on my mind from the last episode and uh, just my general thoughts on the state of the season that I, I just felt that I had to uh, uh, record and, and, and get something out there to, to share all that with you for what it was worth. <laughs> um since I recorded that, I have had my rather large birthday uh, that I alluded to um, not so long ago. I hit 40 this week and, uh, well, it's a bit strange. I'm sure there's a lot of you listening who uh, have um, experienced that birthday yourselves. Uh, I, I don't know how you guys felt about it. For me, it was kind of strange. Um it is a big number, it is a milestone, whichever way you cut it. A, l a lot of people say it's just a number, you know, you you're, as you're as old as you feel, or, or some will say you're as old as the woman you feel. Well, I'm 36 then. <laughs> but seriously, no, it, it's kind of strange, because you, you do sort of look back on the decade gone by and, and think about what you've achieved in those 10 years, and I think I've, I think I've done all right. I've, uh, what have I done? I've got married, uh, had two children. I achieved one of my life's ambitions of going on safari to Africa, which was phenomenal. Um, and I've uh, I've got two podcasts going, so <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been uh, been an interesting decade, one way or another. Um, shares of ups and downs got made redundant. That was uh, that was a tough one, but um, you know, bounce back. And I've I've been in this job now for it'll be five years come January. So uh, you know. You, Try not to look back in that regard, but um, it's an interesting time. Uh, I, I've kind of felt a little bit sentimental, a little bit melancholy, perhaps. Uh, but the milestone was made all the easier by um, all oh, best part of four days of, of celebrations in one form or another. Uh, I was uh, treated to a very nice party at the weekend with friends and family. Uh, oh, we had a day out at the coast, which was great. We, um, I had a, a day out with my wife, which was really nice. We've, um, we spent the day in York and spoiled ourselves a bit on, um, new clothes and things. Uh, had some nice lunch out and, and it was really nice because we've, we've not actually had a day out in York together since before we had kids. So that's, well, you know, nearly seven years ago, <laughs> um, something we used to do very often so it was like old times so in that respect it was appropriate to do that on my 40th birthday thanks to everybody who has sent me birthday messages either on twitter or email or, or facebook uh, it's, it's 
it does help sort of keep me positive <laughs> to get to get these sorts of greasings. So let's turn our attention to the matter in hand, and that's Dexter, of course. We are at the key stage of the season, really, with with two episodes left. It's it's well to coin a phrase, it's shit or bust, isn't it? <laughs> um, all or nothing. And um, well, I'm going to get into all my thoughts and feelings on this latest episode and my slightly revised feelings on the state of the season, um, which may surprise you a little bit, may not. Um, they may even encourage you maybe to uh, reassess your own thoughts on the season, certainly reassess them if, if you're on the very negative side of the scale. And it does, in all honesty, seem like the majority of you are, which is a great shame. Um, not a great deal of, of Dexter news to report. I did look up the ratings of this last episode, and, and interestingly, well, the, the comments said that they were up on the week before, and they're still in sort of 2.3, 2.4 million viewers, which is still pretty good. Um, I was I, I looked because I was interested to see if the trend had been a, a slight decrease, but maybe we're all at the state now with however you feel about the season, uh, with only <laughs> a couple of episodes from the end, are you going to give up now? Are you going to stop watching now? After you've been invested for, you know, best part of eight years, I don't think anyone's going to jump off the bus now, even if um, they're completely hating the show. Uh, I think we all want to know how it turns out, don't we, for better or worse. Let's crack on to this week's episode. Season 8, Episode 10, Goodbye Miami, written by Jace Richdale and Scott Reynolds, directed by Steve Schill. Original air date, the 8th of September, 2013. Here we go. Like I admitted last week... My relationship with the show has become somewhat strained. But fortunately, this week's episode didn't do anything to make that worse. I do think it was a better episode than Make Your Own Kind of Music, but maybe that's not saying too much. The main thing that annoyed me, <laughs> perhaps from a professional point of view because of the, the field that I work in, was Dexter, the computer expert, bouncing spyware back at the source in seconds flat and hacking Daniel's computer to grab those files. Actually, should I call him Daniel? They call him Oliver on the wrap-up podcast, but his real name's Daniel. You know who I mean, anyway, that's the main thing. Yeah, bugger it, I'll call him Oliver. <laughs> so, Dexter hacks Oliver's computer. But this was another example of convenient plotting moved forward by unrealistic means. I've never heard of a Trojan that you can tap into so as to find the source, connect back to it, and access files. It's pretty ludicrous, and to imply it can be done in seconds, just like that, by someone who, let's face it, he's, he's nifty with computers, but he seems to be expert when the plot requires it. <laughs> it's just stupid. <laughs> but it didn't surprise me when the show does this sort of thing so often. So... We didn't say goodbye to Miami, but we did say goodbye to Dr. Vogel, who bowed out in bloody fashion. Her character was quite unrecognisable this episode. 
Gone was the cool, measured doctor to be replaced by a nervous, emotional, frightened mother. I think she knew she was playing with fire, allowing Oliver so close to her. But at the same time, she had had all these feelings coming back from when Oliver killed his brother, and they put him in an asylum. The guilt, the sense of loss, those maternal feelings. She transformed very quickly, and it's surprising how frightened she was this week, remembering how she didn't even flinch when Dexter stuck a curtain pole through Yates's back, cool as the proverbial cucumber. I have to say, I found her transformation quite believable, and Charlotte Rampling did a really good job. Some will no doubt blame the writers and say, who is this person? Is she the same character? And, OK, yes, the writers have written her this way, but like I've talked about before, how love can make us do stupid things, how a beautiful woman can turn men into dribbling wrecks who'll throw themselves under a bus <laughs> uh, just to get to third base. Same with Vogel. Her maternal instinct, which I'm sure any mother can empathise with, not to mention her sense of guilt, it very quickly broke down her cool and calm facade. The wobbly teacup thing was cliché, shaking with nerves, but you can well understand it, given the circumstances. And if you accept her quick transformation into this vulnerable, frightened mother, rather than the, the uh, cool psycho-whisperer we've been used to, she just became this fragile woman, and I could quite understand her being torn in two, and how hard it must have been to eventually resign herself to not being able to help her son. He was too far gone. Dexter was able to adopt the code because he was so young, but to try and help Oliver when he's probably into his thirties, would you think? And well-established as a killer beyond help, I'd say, although he did seem genuine about wanting some degree of relationship with his mother. At least, it was important for him that he put her in a situation where she could choose him over someone else, in this case Dexter, and the shaky teacup was a bit of a tell. As Oliver said, he's used to seeing frightened people, and he knows the signs. On the wrap-up podcast, they described Vogel as a person who knows and I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> who knows uh, that she knows someone's about to die and that person is her one remaining son and she's allowing it to happen. Even though she didn't react to Yates getting killed, this situation is very different, so I think we can allow her to be afraid and nervy. Sad, though, for a son to have this rejection again. Sad in principle, anyway. I mean, I, I don't feel any moral sympathy for him. He's a psychopath who kills innocent people. He fit the code, and Dexter was right to persuade Vogel of the best choice to make. Oliver's going to be on the warpath now, though. <laughs> He's killed the only person he was interested in making a connection with, and in his eyes, it's Dexter's fault. If he doesn't kill Dexter, or try to, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he targeted someone Dexter cares about, and that list isn't very long. But what about Dexter's reaction when he went to Vogel as she bled out on the floor? I watched the moment again, and it's terrific acting from Hall. The different emotions crossing his face. I think I saw concern, fear, anger, 
grief, great stuff. We've never seen Dexter react like that to someone dying, not even close. It was something much more akin to a normal reaction anyone would have at finding someone they cared about like this. I was calling out to him, Go after him, Dex! Meaning Oliver, who'd fled the scene. Vogel was done for, but Dexter opted to stay with her and hold her as she died. Dexter behaving in a very human way, his grief outweighing his need to pursue the killer. I'm sure the grief will give way pretty soon to a thirst for revenge, but that too is a very human emotion. And again, he finds himself in a pool of blood belonging to another mother of sorts. I don't know exactly how he regarded Vogel, but she was certainly a tie to his past, his childhood, and Harry. And maybe he did regard her as a sort of spiritual mother. He may feel he owes her big time for helping shape the code that kept him free to do his thing all these years. And I'm sure he'll feel the pang of guilt because he forced her to choose. He brought the situation to this point. You know, Dexter's such a shadow of the neat monster he once believed himself to be. He's come so far and I think this accounts for a lot of his behaviour and actions that many people have criticised him for. The whole series has been a character journey. OK, yes, it's one that's stalled at times. But looking at the eight-season arc, he's come so, so far, making real human connections now and having much less of a hunger to kill than ever before. I do think Vogel was right. He can't straddle both worlds successfully. I think it's one or the other, not both, as this week showed, and I think it could cost him dearly. Vogel might have lived if Dexter hadn't taken it upon himself to stalk Oliver. I do believe firmly now that he can't have both. It must be one or the other. It has to be. The show has hit us over the head with this fact since the end of season four. All that being said, I did like the season one callback with the old style kill room. Putting up photos and what have you. Nice touch of nostalgia for those halcyon days. And Harry was different this week. I thought, representing the Dexter of old, encouraging him not to run to Argentina just to embrace who he is. It was quite jarring, really, hearing Harry speak so differently, and maybe indicative of the shift in Dexter's psyche, how the emphasis now is, is on more human, more normal human-like behaviour, and the, the killer bit is more in the background, more in the minority, less urgent if you will. But obviously Harry's not representative here of the real Harry Morgan. We established that long ago, but it was interesting that his manifestation this week seems to have shifted to represent a different part of Dexter's psyche. No matter what you try, no matter when, no matter how hard you work, I'll always be a step ahead of you for one simple reason. And was that? I own you. Dissecting Dexter. So, Dexter and Hannah are all set to go to Argentina together. Dexter gave his notice at work. I like the awkward hug from Batista. Well, awkward for Dexter anyway. Now, how you feel about this depends entirely on whether you buy into Dexter being in love with Hannah. I know a lot of people hate her guts and resent her very presence in the show this season, but or maybe even last season as well, but personally, I'm feeling less hostile towards her. My issue 
with them rekindling things was the one I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the elephant in the room, the trying to kill his sister thing. Clearly it's not an issue for Dexter. You could argue it should be. But if that's the case, that it, it seems not to be an issue for him, should it be such an issue for us? Maybe he recognises Hannah's motivation for doing what she did and understands it, even if he couldn't condone it. Either way, the, the show's not going to address it now. I was glad to see Deb and Hannah no more pally than they were last time. Hopefully that scene was a one-off, the dinner scene. But what was Hannah doing hanging out on Deb's decking? Her face, a recognisable, attractive face, the sort of face certainly a man is going to remember. It's been all over TV recently, and even after the marshal came to the house, she wasn't in much of a hurry to relocate. The guy could come back and knock on the door again at any time. I did appreciate the mounting pressure from that angle, though. We didn't expect him to back off any time soon, and they did the character a good service by showing him to be wily and somewhat persistent. Harrison's accident was well telegraphed, though. I called the treadmill Chekhov's treadmill, <laughs> because our attention was drawn to it early in the episode, and... After the marshal had visited and Hannah was alone with Harrison, I thought, there's going to be a reason why she's going to have to leave the house, and the treadmill was it. I can understand her scooping Harrison up and taking him to the hospital. She apparently cares for him, and he's Dex's son, and she definitely cares about him. She wasn't going to leave him to bleed, so it made sense she'd seek medical attention for him, but for a killer who's historically shown herself to be wily, intelligent, um, resourceful and uh, devious, she again displayed a lack of brain power when she went to the hospital with no disguise of any kind and didn't wear her hair differently or anything and no thought for the forms she'd have to fill in. Signing Deb's name was obviously done in haste but she's probably dropped Deb right in it. And did she really need to take him to hospital at all? I mean it, it only cut his chin I mean, under normal circumstances, you would take your child to, to the hospital. But given the circumstances, seriously, you've got the police looking for you, the marshals looking for you, you're a wanted fugitive. Given everything, you, it's, it's, not worth, it's not worth the risk, is it? So, very dodgy decision by Hannah, really, uh, and a complete lack of... Um, Lack of foresight, really. Uh, and, and where's her sense of self-preservation gone, when in the past, self-preservation has, has been the thing that's driven her to kill? And I've not even mentioned the, the, the terrible acting by, <laughs> by the boy who plays Harrison. The, the whole sequence falling off the, um, the treadmill was just so obviously fake. Uh, although the fall itself looked, looked quite fun. Um, and, and the, the uh, blood effects on his chin were very realistic. The, the way he just kept repeating, ow, 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 it, oh, just not good. I mean, it's good to cut child actors a little bit of slack, but couldn't they have coaxed a slightly better performance out of him? Yeah, just not good. So, let's look at Deb, whose life continued to get better, just as it seems like she's hit a big bump in the road when Dexter drops his bombshell that he's planning to bail. And she's thinking he's always been a rock, she's never had to be without him, how will she manage if he goes? But I think she realises and understands, helped by his comment, that 
actually she might be better off without him and and the bad stuff that he brings back as a detective she'll be less compromised without her serial killer brother still in town so as she's warming up to the idea of being a detective again thinking maybe she might not be so badly off if dexter leaves town there oh yeah there's the um potential of a rekindled relationship with quinn now he's put an end to quimmy the two of them are somewhat different now since they were last together deb especially while he never wanted to break up with her in the first place quite the opposite oh but i have to say the scene when they had their kiss they didn't go light on the cheese did they the dialogue like something from a soap opera oh my love it was all my fault oh darling i still have feelings for you <laughs> okay i'm exaggerating a little but i'm not a million miles off the mark with my ridicule <coughs> i know it was meant to be a romantic moment but it just felt cheesy and the music in the background i i don't want to knock daniel licked because he's done great work over the years with the soundtrack for the show but seriously this wasn't too good at least it just emphasized and drew attention to the cheesiness of the scene I still have feelings for you, stupid. That didn't change. I just... I wasn't sure that I saw a future for us. Was that now? I don't know. I mean, I used to... I used to feel like something was holding me back. No. No, I just... It's a shame because I don't mind these two getting back together. It'll help Deb move on from Dexter leaving at the very least. So, there is always a big but, and as things are actually looking quite good for Deb, Hannah, the spanner, goes to the hospital and uses her name on that bloody form. Just when Deb's told the marshal that she's not seen anything from, from Hannah for ages, he knows Harrison is with her, and then suddenly Hannah shows up with Harrison using Deb as a fake name. That marshal now knows Deb was lying. All he has to do is go back to Batista and show what he's got, and Deb's in deep shit before she's even started her first day back. It could all fall down around her ears very fast. If not going to Batista, the marshal has enough to proceed with further investigations. He surely has no personal axe to grind. He'll use whatever powers he has to pursue this officially, you'd think. Clearly... This is all set up to make sure that any planned departure from Miami is not going to go smoothly and could in fact need to be very hasty and clandestine, maybe on board the slice of life. It may end up that Dexter's revealed publicly not as a serial killer but as harbouring a wanted fugitive, making it rather hard to ever return home. This wasn't a terrible episode for me. And... As I alluded to in the intro, my current thoughts may surprise some of you and may disappoint some of you. And, you know, it is just an opinion. And, uh, you know, we're not always going to agree with each other all the time. I know there's plenty of bad feelings still out there. And this week definitely doesn't vindicate the slower and disappointing season. But in terms of shaping the conclusion of the show... I think it served its purpose. The stakes are getting very high now, with Deb, the marshal, and now a very pissed-off brain surgeon who could, well, pull out all the stops now to screw with Dexter in a, a very unpleasant way. 
I'm understating that, of course. <laughs> Oliver has nothing to lose now, nothing to live for. His only glimmer of light was that he could establish something with his mother. She would give him the positive reaction he was looking for. He didn't want a code, per se, but he saw how she was helping Dexter be free to kill, and he wanted something similar. But he lost it. She sided against him in the end, and it cost her her life, and it cost him the only glimmer of hope he had left. A wounded animal, as they say, is the most dangerous, and this all helped me to feel a genuine sense of mounting tension this week. Some of you, I know, feel very differently. And like I said, I'm not letting the show off the hook. Don't think that for a minute. But as things stand, I'll take whatever positivity I can. As a viewer and long-term fan, I need to hold on to what I can to make sure I enjoy these last couple of episodes. If we keep bashing and bashing it, I, for one, am not going to enjoy what we have left. I don't see how I can. I got to this point with Lost, and it's a reasonable comparison because it was another show that we had really high hopes for, for its final season, and it ended up disappointing a large proportion of the audience, especially the series finale itself. And some would argue that precisely 50% of the final season of Lost was just total bollocks and a waste of time. No spoilers, but it, it turned off a lot of the die-hard fans, dedicated fans, maybe even obsessively sad fans, <laughs> many of, you, of whom had spent hours and hours and days and days pouring with a magnifying glass over every minute detail of the show to come up with clues and theories that, in the end, meant nothing. Obviously, we don't spend quite that amount of time on Dexter, and it's not a show that lends itself to scrutiny in that same way. But I discussed this situation with Lost on the early Waste of Time podcasts. You might want to go back and have a listen, because um, I did have some fun with that. But in the end, I just had to kind of throw my hands up in surrender, <laughs> in resignation, and accept that the season was not what we'd been expecting. I could either keep complaining and bashing the negatives or just sit back, let these things slide, within reason, and try to focus on the positives and just be entertained as best I could. And I'm at that point here now with Dexter. The season has definitely not been what we were expecting or hoping for. I'll say it again, whether we like it or not, this is the story the writers wanted to tell, for better or worse. And I know some of you don't buy that. But it's true. I believe it's true. I mean, it's not like they canvassed us before they started writing to see what we wanted to happen this season. So that then we could turn around and say quite fairly, oh God, they completely ignored us and did something else. But for me, there have been good moments this season. Mostly earlier on, I'll grant you, but it's not been a total stinker. I'm seriously running the risk of getting no enjoyment from these last couple of episodes if I keep letting this negativity pile up on top of me. So I'm taking a step back. I'm not taking it personally. And I'm not saying anyone else is taking it personally. <laughs> this is just me, just my opinion. I've accepted that this season is not the one I've been hoping for. It's not got the tone that I wanted for. It's not got the action 
and jeopardy that I'd I'd been wanting for. It's not so far giving me giving me the the tension I'd wanted, even though I did feel it a bit this week. It is late in the day. But I really need to get some enjoyment out of the last two hours of this show I love. And I I'm sure I'll still feel that they dropped the ball this season, that, that it could have been out and out Dexter in jeopardy facing the mother of all nemeses and um just a, a an an emotional roller coaster ride that would have been nice i'm not going to mention breaking bad <laughs> i'll leave that for you guys in the feedback but i'm sure whatever the finale holds we'll look back at the end and say that as a whole the season was pretty pretty lacklustre and disappointing but i i really have to do what i can to gain some greater enjoyment from what we have left I know it shouldn't be up to me to do the work. The show should do this on its own. But clearly, this is where I'm at. Of course, I'm just one person. As I say, this is one opinion. I know some of you have totally run out of patience with it, and you're perfectly entitled to feel that way. This is just what I've got to do. To What I've got to do to enjoy what's left as much as I can. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing what I can to still get some entertainment out of the show, but you can rest assured, I'll always be honest with you here. I'll say what I liked, and I'll say what I didn't like. It's, <laughs> it sounds really dramatic, doesn't it? Really serious. <laughs> serious business. I don't like getting hung up on it like this, and I went over my feelings at length last week, and I find myself doing it again this week but having read some of your feedback already it feels like some negative feelings out there are getting stronger and stronger tell you what why don't i shut up and give you the chance to respond here's my favorite part of the podcast your feedback listener feedback this is normally my favorite part of the show but it has become quite a downer this season this season more than any other i think because of of course the expectations were so high the disappointment is amplified more than for say season five or six when there were a lot of knockers no i can't say that i should rephrase that <laughs> knockers is british slang for breasts no uh seasons five and six had their fair share of negatives but we knew neither of those were going to be the final season so there wasn't the same pressure or expectation so, those of you who are okay with this season, and there are some of you, there are some of you, please bear with me because there's a whole heap of knockers again this week. <laughs> On Facebook, Tina Lindley, Matt Cook, Chris Webb, Stephanie Babin, uh, Marco Felici, Linda Bennett, Anthony Dix, Alyssa McFadden, Ryan Gillen, and Jeannie Pham were amongst those expressing continued disappointment at what they describe as bad writing. Uh, lack of tension, too many unimportant characters, all detracting from what should have been a, fan a fantastic final season. 
Turning to the email, Jason Reynolds wrote in to say, Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Your podcast is much better than the official podcast. I totally agree with Travis about how the official one, being nothing more than the writers stroking themselves about how great they think their bad ideas are. While I want to trust the show, I do think the writers are not very good, and I think the fact that they think their bad ideas are great proves why. I've been thinking a lot about the upcoming ending, and I have come to some uh, conclusions or expectations. I don't follow spoilers, so this is pure speculation. If you look at the big picture, the primary narrative of the show has been Dexter's evolution from a straight-up monster to becoming as full of a human being as he can be. Other than season two and seven, the show has never been focused on catching him. It isn't like Breaking Bad, where the whole focus of the show is Walter White's rise and fall with a noose constantly tightening around his neck. This is why I would actually have been disappointed if the focus of the final season was Dexter on the run. It wouldn't have fit with the feel of the show. With that in mind, here are my predictions. I don't think Dexter will be caught. Why, you ask? Because with only three episodes to go... Oh, I should say Jason emailed this bit in between episodes. With only three episodes to go, there isn't enough time to deal with the repercussions of this scenario. If Dexter's co-workers found out his secret, we would need some time to show them dealing with it. We would also want to see the legal ramifications, trial, etc. If we didn't get that... If we didn't get that, the drama wouldn't be resolved cleanly. Theoretically, they could just flash forward to ten years later when he's about to be executed, but again, we would want to know how his legacy affected everyone else. It would be a non-ending. I also think Dexter won't die. Dexter has always been the narrator of the series, and to a large degree, we are always seeing it through his eyes. If he died, whose eyes would we see the ending through? It would be out of character for the show to show anything after he died. If he died and the screen faded to black, there would be too many unresolved issues. I think the legacy of the show will be Dexter finally becoming human but having to deal with the consequences of his actions that got him there. With all of this in mind, I think Deb's death would be the best way to end the series. I do not want her to die, but I can see why it would work from a dramatic perspective. If Deb dies, it would serve multiple narrative functions that could fit within the space of a final episode. Dexter would have to deal with the repercussions of being a serial killer. He never would have encountered the brain surgeon if he hadn't gotten involved with Vogel. As such, he would be responsible for bringing the brain surgeon into Deb's life. If the brain surgeon killed her, the blood would be on Dexter's hands. This would echo back to the season 4 finale. As bad as Rita's death was, Dexter never actually loved her like he loves Deb. It upset him a little, but he quickly forgot about her. Deb's death would be the ultimate tragedy that would push him over the edge, possibly even more than if Hannah died. Deb's death would give Dexter a bigger reason to go after the brain surgeon. Other than vengeance for Zack's death, there is nothing particularly unique driving him to obsess about killing Oliver any more than any of his other kills. If Oliver killed Deb, then Dexter would be scouring the ends of the earth and waiting in a bowl of rice to get that motherfucker. Sorry, I had to slip in a Pulp Fiction reference back to Dexter. When Dexter finally got Oliver on his table, there would be a huge emotional release that would top every other kill he's ever done. It would outshine Brian and Trinity. Another thing to consider is that Deb is the only thing tying Dexter to Miami. While he's telling Hannah he wants to leave with her for Argentina, I honestly don't think he could ever leave Deb behind in Miami. As long as she was alive, he would have a desire to come back. If she died, he would want to leave Miami forever. 
Finally, since Deb and Dexter's relationship is the heart of the show, we could process her death primarily through Dexter's eyes and not require much from the supporting cast. They could show Batista or Quinn giving a speech at her funeral and that would be fine. This ending would allow for a satisfying end that could also be wrapped up within the last ten minutes of the final episode without the audience feeling cheated. I could be wrong on all of this, though. Thanks for an excellent podcast. Thanks, Jason. I agree with you. Dexter won't get caught. If that was the ending they were going for, I'm sure they'd have got that thing going earlier on. While you're right, it's not something they've threatened him with outside seasons two and seven, it would have been a suitable trajectory for the final season, I think. Your suggestion for the ending is that Deb could die. She could indeed, and it would provide some meaty scope for an emotional finale, seeing everyone's reactions, not least Dexter himself, who would surely bear the enormous weight of responsibility. It would serve as a tragic punctuation point for his journey towards becoming human, and that through this he's led Deb to her downfall and demise. Would we finally see the first Dexter tears? I'd suggest we would, and it would be a powerful image, and honestly, despite me saying last week that I'm not as invested in the show and the characters as I used to be, I think I'd find it hard to keep my eyes dry. I wonder if this or some other gut punch could happen next episode, episode 11, leaving us the finale to deal with the consequences, the fallout and uh, Dexter's reaction. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Anyway... Jason emailed in again to say Vogel's death, this is obviously after uh, this latest episode, Vogel's death was a good way to illustrate how Dexter can't straddle two worlds, but criticised the sloppy writing and having Dexter stalk Oliver by standing outside the diner like he did. Jason also said, and I quote here, I honestly want to trust the show, but I honestly do not trust the writers. Dexter has become like the Star Wars prequels. You, you want to convince yourself it's good, but the truth is the writing sucks. The cast is what makes the show as successful as it is. I don't think there'll be a spin-off, if for no other reason than without Michael C. Hall to distract people from the lousy writing. Hopefully it will end well. Thanks, Jason. Sticking with the emails, Laurie Weiss from Coral Spring, Florida emailed to say, I only discovered your podcast this year, coinciding with obtaining an iPad, and I've enjoyed your broadcasts. I'm surprised at the high level of scrutiny regarding the direction of the series you and your listeners emote each week. I'm a big Dexter fan from day one. I'm also accepting that the story is for entertainment. I've been entertained. That is all I expect from the show, the writers, the cast and producers. The series has led Dexter to his appropriate evolution from monster to human. It's the story of Pinocchio a puppet made of wood, with no heart, no feeling, becoming flesh, with all the weaknesses that transform... Sorry, that again. With all the weakness that transformation embodies. All of Dexter's missteps and mistakes this season make sense. He has changed, even if his fans don't want him to. As Dr Vogel pointed out, it is hard to straddle both worlds, that of a psychopath and that of an empath. Dexter's arrogance, another very human trait, refuses to accept his lack of control... This is his undoing. However, the show concludes, I will be grateful for its eight years of fantastic entertainment. I will wear my bloodslide earrings, my Dexter t-shirts, and proudly adhere my faux cheek cuts dripping with fake blood. Thanks, Laurie. I'm not sure any or many are arguing that Dexter's journey hasn't been organic and plausible. He's been criticised for the mistakes he's made, but to me... 
they're plausible too, although things like his shoddy field craft, such as when he was trying to stalk Oliver Saxon, that's bad writing. The character of Dexter is too experienced to, t- to stalk someone in such an, such an amateurish way. But the overall story has been Dexter's personal journey, and this season has been another chapter in that. I tried to address the character development this season through the podcasts to account for some of his questionable decisions, and for the most part, to me, they fit with his becoming human and allowing his emotions to have more control over him. I've talked a lot about why I believe so many are disappointed this year and how it's a non and how a non-stop tense action-packed season is clearly not what the writers were ever going for. That was their creative decision, rightly or wrongly, but if anyone like you, Laurie, is being nicely entertained by this season, then that's really good. Genuinely, really good. Thanks again for the email. We go to the voicemails now, and here's Tom in Poland. Hey, guards, it's Tom from Poland. I'm just gonna drop in this quick disgruntled recording of mine. This was just downright mediocre. I almost didn't care at all for what was happening in this episode. Even in the end, I feel like this was horribly written. And how am I going to the emergency room? Just, just wow, that was so bad. And how the hell did Carson cut himself so bad on that thing in the first place? It's depressing how disappointing this season is. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Bye. Thanks, Tom. I think we need to get you some beers so you can get drunk and forget about all your Dexter depression. <laughs> Actually, I think you'd be in good company. I'm sure a lot of you are feeling the same way and could do with a few beers to get over it. Over to the emails now. Jacob Newman writes to say, I didn't think that this was a bad episode. The ending was shocking and surprising. I thought that Charlotte Rampling's acting was very good, and I'm sorry to see that Dr. Vogel won't be around for the final two episodes. The character of Daniel Vogel was fleshed out, and he was made to be a formidable foe for Dexter. Ominous overtones are present with Harry warning Dexter and trying to keep him focused on Daniel Vogel. I like what they did with Deb, and I wanted to get back together with Quinn. But the episode lacked zip, and I think that the writers have taken all of the tension out with sloppy writing. And it's like all of the air has been let out of a balloon. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, Jacob also spoke about Hannah and how he thinks it was sloppy writing to have her go into the hospital like that, given her intelligence and survival instinct established last season. But that's a wonderful analogy, Jacob, like the air has been let out of a balloon. That sums up what happened to me this season. I enjoyed those early episodes with Deb's downward spiral and the tension it was creating between her and Dexter. And her semi-confession scene with Quinn, that was great stuff. But they let the air out of the balloon, and now we are where we are. Hey, Gareth, it's Chris from Georgia again, calling for Dexter, Season 8, Episode 10, Goodbye Miami. Well, I'll get right in on it here. This episode felt like it was of two minds. Half the episode felt like it was meandering and didn't really know where it was going, and the other half felt like it was laser-focused on some sort of ending. The half that didn't know where it was going? How about Quinn slash Jamie and Deborah? That felt so telegraphed. Who didn't see them getting back together again? Who didn't see them getting, uh, getting rid of Jamie? It just, we all saw this coming. It was not a surprise, and it didn't feel very impactful. Then you've got Masuka and his daughter. They only had one scene. One scene. Which, 
you know, I know Masuka's never been the star of the show, but we really felt like this season he was going to get a good arc. He was going to have some solid screen time. At least it was set up that way in the first couple episodes, but now he's just a one-scene wonder, and it's disappointing. But if we're going to talk about disappointing, Batista. Batista was a wonderful character on the show. I really like the guy, and now he's sidelined to sitting in his office and being in, like, one or two scenes. He's doing nothing. It's like they blew his last season storyline last season. His whole quitting the force, buying a restaurant, that felt like his final arc, and I felt like it's already happened. And now he's just sitting around waiting for the show to end, which is kind of how I feel about Matthews, too. His big arc was last season with Aguarita. Now he's doing nothing, which is even more ironic because I believe that this is his first season being promoted to, like, series regular, which makes no sense because he's not been in, like, three scenes the whole season. I don't get that at all. Anyway, on to the storylines that are actually the focus of this episode and actually tried to move forward. The Dexter slash Hannah slash Deborah slash Vogel slash Daniel slash Oliver storyline, which is really two storylines. You've got the Hannah and the Marshall storyline, which it's happening, I guess. I can't say I'm that invested in the Marshall, nor does he really appear to be that intelligent. He's just kind of lucking into finding out things. Um, it doesn't really feel like it's going anywhere. I do say that it feels like it might be what takes down Dexter, which is disappointing because I feel like I got into this show because it was a show about a serial killer, and now it feels more like a show about a serial killer who's in love, or a show about a guy who's in love with a serial killer, which would be Hannah. And if he gets brought down for helping out Hannah and trying to get away with Hannah, it's going to ring very hollow for the premise of the show. I feel like if Dexter was going to get brought down for anything, it should be the things he's been doing for the last eight seasons, i.e. killing people, not because he was in love with the wrong person. I don't know, that's just me. Maybe they're not going to go that way. I hope they're not going to go that way. The other storyline, of course, is Daniel trying to reconnect with his mother, Vogel. That was about what I expected. You know, Daniel ended up killing Vogel. Uh, so that wasn't a surprise. What was a surprise is that he did it in episode 10. I expected that to be an episode 11 style thing. They did it a little early, which is interesting. But what it does do for me as a viewer is it invests me more in Dexter trying to kill Oliver slash Daniel. Because before this, yeah, he had to kill him because that's what Dexter was, but there was no real audience investment in why he needed to kill him. As I said when I called in last week, it felt like if Dexter really wanted to leave with Hannah, he could just leave with Hannah. What's stopping him? He doesn't have to kill this guy. There's no threat posed if they just leave the country. Dexter said as much this episode. So I felt really validated as a viewer that they actually addressed the concern that I posed last week. That Dexter could leave if he wanted to, but that he can't leave this undone. And because now Bogle is dead, it gives him a real revenge-slash-investment in killing Oliver, and puts me on the, yeah, let's strap him to a table and stab a knife through his chest, and I really want to see this happening team. So, cheers for them for actually making us involved now with why he needs to slash wants to kill Oliver slash Daniel. However, I still don't feel like this is enough. I mean, Vogel, yes, was a spiritual mother, but she was a new character for this season. We're not as invested in his relationship with her. I think if we really want to see Dexter ramp up, let's have Oliver kill Hannah. Dexter's in love with Hannah, obviously extremely close to his heart. We kill off her, or Oliver kills off her. You're talking about a tense, final, climactic, final kill for Dexter. You're not going to get much better than that. That's going to add all kinds of tension and a real urgency to his desire to kill Oliver that he just doesn't have right now, even though Vogel is dead. Um, and it'll also, if it's done next episode, 
free up the final episode to feel more like classic Dexter. No more Hannah, Dexter duo, family stuff. More like classic Dexter on his own, stalking for a kill. The biggest kill of his career, if you will. Uh, going after the guy that killed the woman he loved. Could it be bigger? Sure, they could kill off Deb. Do I think they're going to kill off Deb? No, I don't. I think she's either going to survive the season or, at the very least, survive until the final episode. I don't think they're going to blow her like that, but who knows? I guess it's possible. Um, but either way, I think Candace should go and ramp up the stakes. Finally, I want to leave you with the idea that I, like many viewers, have been watching concurrently the final seasons of Dexter and Breaking Bad, and I can't help but compare the two because they're both attempting to end very large, very loved series and build tension, and I think Breaking Bad is doing it a lot better than Dexter's doing it right now, which is disappointing for Dexter, not for Breaking Bad fans. For Breaking Bad fans, it's everything we hoped for, and I think the finale is going to be masterful. Dexter hasn't necessarily been the final season we'd all hoped for, but I still hold out hope that the finale is going to be masterful, because if one thing Dexter can do right, as season six proved, despite all the maligning it got, Dexter knows how to stick a landing. It knows how to have a finale that packs a punch. And I'm hoping that's what's going to happen this season. It's been a little underwhelming for most people. Maybe in time, when viewed as a block, it'll improve, as many of the past seasons, for at least myself, have. But I think, if nothing else, the finale is going to stick the landing and really stick a knife in our gut and really make us hopefully cheer. So I'm just going to keep chanting, trust the show, trust the show, trust the show. I think I need to make a recording of that and just start playing it. Because I do trust the show. It has been a little underwhelming. But, come on, they're not going to let us down here at the last, you know, home stretch, are they? It's a question. And it's a comment. Anyway, love the show, Gareth. You're doing a masterful job. Uh, Travis did a wonderful job filling in. I can't wait to hear what both you have to say and other people in the audience have to say. Am I in the minority here? Am I in the majority? What do other people think? Do other people worry about the, land, the ending? Are they as confident, question mark, as I am? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, cheers, mate. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Chris. Good thoughts there. You're certainly not alone in still having high hopes of a powerful finale. It is a show that has a pretty good track record of giving us a decent twist in finales. You mentioned season six, which I don't think was the best finale by any means, but did have a good final speech at the kill table from Dexter, and then of course the um, out-of-the-blue shock of Deb's discovery to make it unforgettable. It would be an irony if what brought Dexter down was nothing to do with being a serial killer, but something completely different. And like I said to Jason a few minutes ago, it seems too late in the day for him to be exposed as a serial killer now. Over to the emails, and Alex Mouncey writes, And so, after an episode of ambivalence and waffling, of weak conviction and dumb decisions, the once confident and level-headed Dr. Evil in Vogel was first reduced to a puddle, and then ingloriously died in one. For a doctor who studies brains, it's a sad and ironic thing that she couldn't put her own to good use in her final days. Saxon was sending her the wrong bits in those jars. If you ask me, she'd have sent logic cores. As the creator of two progeny, Vogel was forced to choose between the spiritual or the literal, but got stuck playing the middle. It was death by indecision. While I can see a sort of tragedy for the character, I can't help but laugh and laugh and laugh. Why? 
because what goes for the creator of Dexter the character can just as easily apply to the creators of Dexter the show. The lack of focus, the lack of commitment, the indecision is everywhere you look this season. It's a narrative flailing. Deborah's mad at Dexter, but then she isn't. And then she's there to protect Dexter and Harrison from Hannah, and then she's not. Batista was motivated by Maria's death to return to the force and now is reduced to dopey office management so he can promote a character which barely exists. Masuka has a masukette and nothing comes of it. Quinn doggedly hunts for Zack Hamilton and then doesn't. Saxon threatens Mummy with brain parts and then just wants to reconnect with Mummy before then killing Mummy. As for our main character... Dexter wanted to fight for his life in Miami last season, but now wants to run off and live life as a fugitive in this one. He realises he can never trust Hannah, but then decides he can. He can't live without Deb, but then wants to run off with Hannah to Argentina. 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 A word now in a take-a-shot list along with psychopath and family. Even his reasons for needing to kill Saxon are shifting, nebulous and indecipherable. And this with a character that has internal monologues and a ghost dad to spill it out for us. But it's bigger than just this season now, isn't it? It's the whole series. As Vogel has had two sons this episode, the creators have almost two Dexters. Pre and post bathtub, if you like. In the first half of the run, we got a character that's warped and intrinsically flawed. When we get inside his head, it feels like a wonderfully sick and twisted indulgence, at times creepy and unsettling, at other times darkly funny. In the second half, we've got tortured vigilante hero Dexter, a dash of melodrama here, a sprinkle of horror there, but mainly spectacle, wish fulfilment and power fantasy, to hell with the consequences of which there are none. It's like they took the Dark Defender element of Dexter seriously without realising that it was supposed to be satire. So here we are, in the final stretch, stuck with the bizarre attempt to reconcile the entire series into one package. It's as if the creators are now trying to fuse the two Dexters together with Seth Brundle's telepods from Cronenberg's The Fly. And now they have no idea what to do with and no control over their monstrous, fetishised creation as it turns on them and us. The tools that once helped us get into the head of this alien creature, such as the voiceover and, and internalised father figure, are now like weird vestigial limbs that never fell off, and we're painfully reminded why most shows, as a rule, don't use them. Plot points and character traits morph and shift and disappear wildly as the writers obsess over making Dexter happy, no matter what before the oh-so-sad, oh-so-shocking ending we're no longer invested enough to care about arrives. Trust the show, I've heard you say. Why? Why should I trust these people? They don't seem to trust us, or our intelligence, or our memory, or our taste. How can you trust someone that has contempt for you and the material they present to you? If there's one thing I know consistently about this show, it's that no matter how good the setup, they, at best, disappoint in execution. At worst, they do what they're doing now and execute in the wrong direction entirely. Trust in the creators of Dexter would be like Charlie Brown trusting Lucy with a football. In the face of this, I regret to inform you that I've officially gone full hate watch. The only character on this show I'm left rooting for is Deborah's th bloodthirsty treadmill. And I hope it murders the entire cast in an orgy of blood and cardio. May the Biscayne Bay flow red and the shredded viscera of all principles, supportings and extras be swallowed by the Gulf Stream. May heads roll from Haley to Orlando. 
May everyone in the Dexterverse suffer and die. Death to Miami Metro. Death to metaphorical Argentina. <sighs> Fucking hell. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> wow, that's some strong stuff right there. And I hope I did your email justice in my reading. And I sympathise with your pain. I guess that means I'm not a psychopath, so that's some relief. Firstly, you knocked the show for what happened with Vogel. I did talk about this during my review, that I found the shift in Vogel's character believable, bearing in mind that she's only just found out her son was still alive, and he's a cold, twisted serial killer who's been mailing her brain cores for weeks in order to get her attention. My only reservation about her disposition this week was that it wasn't completely consistent with her reaction to Yates's violent death, as a plane goes over. Um, how calm she was about it. Such a violent moment would rattle anyone, but she didn't even flinch. And then this week she was reduced to spilling tea and stammering in nervous anxiety. In my own head, I can account for it, I think. And I tried to put my argument across in the review. Of course, it's your prerogative whether you agree with it or not. But of course, your case for the prosecution doesn't end there, and you list other inconsistencies that I find it harder to argue with, and you, you really list many of the plot points that have had so many calling out bad writing this year. You bring up a very interesting point about the two Dexters, pre- and post-bathtub, and you're right. It was a watershed moment for the show, and also the point at which, lest we forget, former showrunner Clyde Phillips left to go and spend more time on the East Coast with his family and, and new projects. Season 5 then saw Chip Johansson in charge before he departed after one season to be replaced by Scott Bark. We've not had a consistent showrunner for such a length of time, and you can rightly argue the show has never been the same since Phillips left. Never been at the same standard. There have been two Dexters, in terms of both the character and the show. But the show needn't have been poorer post-Trinity. It didn't, did it? The character of Dexter embarked on a new chapter in his journey, and the show had to evolve with him. It was going to change, wasn't it? It was inevitable. But it didn't have to be poorer for it. OK, we had those couple of years, uh, seasons five and six, when they were treading water creatively. But once Deb discovered Dexter, they had an open goal, just begging for them to score, to make the show great again. And, and while it has had its great moments, the consistency hasn't been there. The clear sense of direction and all the other stuff you guys have been bringing up, I, I won't repeat them all. We are where we are now. I've said that phrase already today. And your opinion, while a very strongly worded and passionate one, is not unreasonable and is shared by many. Not all, though, I hasten to add. I am on the negative side, but not as far over as you are. I'm more, oh, I don't know, sort of <laughs> maybe halfway between where you are and, and the middle. Let's hear from someone else now. Maybe Sandra from Germany will be feeling happier this week. Thanks, Alex. My heart is still pounding. What a great episode. Super exciting cliffhanger. This is the way you do a finale of a TV show. Uh, you're confused. Sorry, of course I'm talking about Sunday's episode of Breaking Bad. You don't really want me to start about Dexter. 
You all have seen yourself what they are doing with our beloved show. Maybe it is because Scott Reynolds is starting to work for the following. There they don't give a shit about logic or believability. He wanted to show them he could fit right in with them. What was worse? The reverse Trojan trick in 20 seconds? The treadmill accident? Hannah still not caring about disguising herself? A serial killer that wants to escape with a wanted woman but first has to put his condo on the market and quit his job? Huh? This season did not need any new characters. No Vogel, no brain surgeon, no Elway. They had it all there to satisfy us. Why not bring Dexter down with a conflicted Baptista going through La Guetta stuff? Let Quinn help him bring Masuka in by checking on Dexter's work. So much potential. All gone to waste. Enough nagging. Just wanted to let you know that alcohol did not help with this episode. When I start ironing while watching Dexter, something is wrong. Ah, oh, bugger. So much for someone getting on the happy bus. Nice bait and switch, though. Although I knew you were talking about Breaking Bad. You can't fool me. <laughs> Funny reference to the following, though. That show makes this season of Dexter look bloody awesome. It's also funny how we're all coming up with good alternative ideas for this season and questioning why we needed all these new characters and a new big bad. You're right, Sandra. They did already have the ingredients for a compelling final season with the characters they had. They had a wonderful shock ending from last year that opened the door to a great Dexter in Jeopardy storyline. The walls closing in on him if they'd gone that way. Evidently, that was never the conclusion they had in mind, but it would have made for a more consistently tense final season without us being expected to get invested in new characters or bringing in a new big bad at the end. Although, maybe the Dexter finally meeting his match thing uh, would have been appropriate, but they could have done it better. And all that said... I have to say, the Vogel storyline I did find quite interesting earlier on, delving into Dexter's past and the creation of the code. Thanks, Sandra. Always nice to hear from you. Hi, Gareth. Ian from Bristol here, providing feedback on Dexter Series 8, Episode 10. So, here we are at Episode 10, traditionally the Dexter episode which really ramps up the excitement and leads into the finale. To be honest, I must have fallen asleep during this episode, as I can hardly remember what happened. In fact, I'll probably have to quickly rewatch it again to find anything to speak about. It was interesting watching Vogel choosing between Daniel and Dexter. It was obviously a difficult decision, and I think it was believable that she tended towards whichever person she was currently with. So, when she was with Daniel, she believed that he could be helped. But when she saw Dexter, she saw that Daniel had perhaps gone too far. I can understand Daniel's hatred of her. After all, he was shipped off to a mental asylum and forgotten about. That would destroy any normal person, but he was already a psychopath. I've just read the etymology, if that's the correct word, of the name Daniel, and the Hebrew meaning refers to judgment of God. Perhaps this is some reflection of what Vogel has done to both Daniel and Dexter. Perhaps Daniel is the judgment on her. Also, the Hebrew Daniel survived two death sentences, one a fiery furnace and the second one entering the lion's den. Well, it sounds like he's already survived the fire at the asylum. So is Dexter the, the lion's den? Let's wait and see.
I must admit it came as no surprise that Daniel would kill Vogel. I'm just disappointed that it was done with so little style. I would have expected something a lot more expressive than a simple slash across the neck. But Dexter's response was interesting. It was a very human response, and a million miles away from how he would have responded in Series 1. So, we had another bit of technological bullcrap, as Dexter logs into Daniel's computer via the Trojan. Dexter would make a great security consultant. He managed to just guess people's passwords at will. The storyline of the Federal Marshal hunting down Hannah has started to bring a threat to Dexter's world. But as soon as Harrison was told off for playing on the tro- treadmill, I naturally assumed that he would hurt himself later in the episode. Perhaps I've watched too many TV dramas to be surprised anymore by, by writing like this. As soon as Hannah had to fill out the form at the hospital, I knew the game was up and the marshal would be on the case. It looks like the federal marshal will be able to implicate Dexter and Debs in hiding Hannah. And I wonder if the newfound romance between Debs and Quinn will also drag Quinn into this too. I don't understand why this thread wasn't brought up earlier in the series. As I said in my last feedback, in my opinion, there just haven't been enough credible threats to Dexter this season. The story pacing has been very lumpy. Previous seasons have slowly built up the pressure on Dexter, but this season just doesn't have the same finesse as, as previous seasons. It's good to see that they're really fleshing out the characters of Masuka and his daughter. They had at least 10 seconds of airtime this week. Fantastic. That's sarcasm, by the way. Uh, and so in final analysis, in my opinion, this was yet again another poor episode in what is remaining a very poor season. In fact, my highlight of the entire episode was the opening credits and music Um, And that still delights me every time I see it. Gareth, I don't want to sound too depressed about this show. It's still one of the best things on TV. But this season is such a massive disappointment. From your podcast contributors, I've heard of at least half a dozen different storylines which would have made good endings to the show. And I can't quite believe that the show writers have chosen this particular story. I've reached the point where I just want the show to end now. As always, Gareth, thanks for the podcast and I look forward to the remaining few. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ian. Well-measured and reasoned comments there, but what a state of affairs when the opening titles are the highlight of the episode for you. That was interesting about the name Daniel and how he survives two death sentences, one of them fire. Interesting indeed. Will Daniel Vogel survive the season, maybe? Now, there's a prospect. I think maybe we're all presuming that he'll be on the kill table in the end, or by the end. Yeah, interesting one. Interesting notion. Over to the emails now. Linda Blosher in Germany has written in to say, Here are my thoughts on this last episode and the season so far. Overall, I thought this episode was slightly better than the week before. What I liked was that it finally started to feel like the show is coming to an end. A few of the storylines are being wrapped up, like Jamie being offered a job and Deb going back to Miami Metro. I also liked that there was some sense of the show coming full circle, with Dexter witnessing the death of another mother figure. What the writers are maybe going for is Dexter having to choose between killing Oliver or leaving Miami and also leaving killing behind. If he can abstain from killing Oliver, then maybe he can abstain from killing anyone. That being said, I still think the episode was overall pretty boring and the story the writers are telling is in no way what fans expected and the show deserves. I actually don't buy into the whole it's their story and their story to tell mantra. If the majority of fans are disappointed, then there's something wrong. And it's not just the story they're telling, it's how they're telling it. Like this episode, I was about to stop watching when Hannah was going to the ER with Harrison without any disguise whatsoever. 
If she won't dye her hair or wear a wig, could she at least change her makeup or put her hair in a ponytail? No. She walks around Miami looking exactly like in her mugshot. Or how they write plot points for Deb that are totally out of character. Last week, the Hannah moving in thing, and this week she goes along with two serial killers taking Harrison with them to Argentina, and she suddenly has feelings for Quinn again. Another lady I didn't recognise this week was Dr Vogel. She handled herself just fine when Yates was about to clip off her toe. She didn't tremble. She remained collected, manipulated him into trusting her. Could call for help and witnessed his death from two feet away without even, even flinching. Excuse me. This week, she totally fell apart in the tea scene, even when she knew help was on the way. The tea spilling was such a cliché. I believe I literally rolled my eyes. And when she saw the video of Zack being killed, she lost it. I don't think you can explain all of this away because she's because this time her son was involved. I think one of the bigger mistakes this season was to bring Hannah back. I mean, who really likes Hannah besides Dexter? Is anyone really rooting for them? What does Dexter think will happen if one day they have a major argument or decide to split up? Does he think Harrison and he will ever be safe with Hannah? A few episodes back, Harry mentioned something to Dexter about him having feelings now that are stronger than his need to kill meaning his feelings for Hannah. I have to say, this bothers me too, no end. All I could think was, what about Harrison? What about Deb? What about even Asta, Cody and Rita? I would have much preferred if the writers would have figured out a way for Dexter to become fully human that would have involved his love for them, and not this unsympathetic semi-psychopath who tried to kill his sister. I have two, th I have two theories left for this season. Number one is pretty out there. What if Zack would have had an identical twin that was a psychopath too, and in order for them both being taught the code, they both posed as Zack for Dex and Vogel, then the creepier one of them would still be alive. I base this on the personality transplant that happened to Zack between dress code and are we there yet? I know, I know, it doesn't make much sense, but what does these days? The other one involves the drop of blood on Dexter's neck. About... 6 minutes 45 seconds into dress code. What if Hannah is, after all, out for revenge and took some of Dexter's blood while he was unconscious to frame him for something? It would be kind of ironic if falsely planted blood evidence was ultimately Dexter's downfall. Thank you again for all your hard work. I have to say that this season, being the disappointment that it is so far, your podcast has been the one thing that has kept me somewhat invested and thinking about the show. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thanks very much. I have to disagree with you, though, about it being their story to uh, their story to tell. It is their show, and we are just fans, although the fans are important, and I'm sure the writers want everyone to like what they do. But personally, and again, this is just my opinion, I do respect the fact that this is their story to tell the way they want to tell it. The only caveat is that it's up to us, the audience, whether we like it or not, whether we buy into what they're showing us. It's our prerogative to complain if we don't like it, and that's what we're doing here. There is a question. There is the question of living up to audience expectation, though. Our expectations and our hopes are our own, but we've only got these because of what's been presented to us on screen before, and the writers are responsible for that, so there is a counter-argument to be made. So I, I do take your point, Linda. And I do agree with you that if the majority of the audience is left disappointed, then they have. They've got something wrong. 
They chose badly as to the creative direction for the season. You bring up plenty of other good points, and I can try to play devil's advocate, but I'd only be repeating things that I've said already, so I won't bore you with that. But you do mention a good one about the future for Hannah and Dexter. What if she gets pissed off with him? Most relationships have their rough patches, so what happens if Dexter upsets her somehow? Will she try to kill him? Are Dexter and Hannah completely safe with her? You could argue not. Your theory about a twin Zack <laughs> is pretty out there, and I, I get the irony of what you're saying. But the other one is a bit more plausible. But it would hang on Hannah still having some secret agenda, some as-yet-unrevealed as plan for revenge against Dexter, who uh, is the man who turned on her last year and, and got her in this current situation of being um, an escaped prisoner, having to leave the country. It's something we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago. Betrayal might be a possibility, but all her behaviour, even down to the questionable rushing Harrison to the hospital without a care for anyone recognising her, it all points to her being genuine for me. At your last point about this podcast, I was so happy to hear <laughs> that I've been able to keep you going and, and keep you interested in the show. That's very flattering, but also a credit, I think, to all the listeners who send in great feedback each week and, of course, supplement my own thoughts. Hey Gareth, it's Ken from Pittsburgh. Uh, on a positive note, um, there was something resembling uh, tension uh, in this week's episode. Um, if not uh, weighed down by slapstick comedy, drama, and maybe some loose plot holes. Um, the tension really uh, uh, comes down to uh, the Marshal closing in on Hannah, and Dexter has to kill Saxon before he and Hannah can escape Miami. And that's that's a good, uh, you know, basis for uh, some tension. Uh, where that falls apart, though, uh, I feel like is in, is in two places. Um, the first is that the marshal, uh, the federal marshal chasing Hannah, uh, isn't exactly um, the most threatening uh, character this show has ever seen. Um, Lundy really kind of struck a chord because there was something cold and. Uh, efficient about him, but he just kind of seems like a friendly guy kind of just blundering his way through this case. Um, when he shows up to Deborah's and says, oh, you know, isn't it weird that Dexter is leaving right as Hannah was in town? Uh, the way he asks, I'm not even sure if he's uh, like threatening Deborah, like, oh, isn't it weird, Deborah, that Dexter would be leaving? Or if he's just kind of like, isn't it kind of weird? I don't know. Is it... I'm, Deb, help me out here. Like, it's really hard to pinpoint whether or not this guy is a serious threat. With the two episodes left, I suppose he is. We have to accept that he's a threat. But I mean, and he's doing his job. That in itself makes him a threat. Um, but as a character, he's not um, the most confident or efficient. Federal Marshal that uh, this final season could have thrown at us. And then the other point of tension is that Dexter has to kill uh, Oliver Saxon before he leaves Miami. Or or does he? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, he fits the code, but I mean, if, if there's anything Dexter should have learned by now, maybe it's that he doesn't always have to kill, or I, I don't know. Like, this whole episode, I felt like 
they were between his reasons. Like, Dexter's like, I have to do it because Dr. Vogel's in danger. And then Vogel's like, I'm not in danger. He doesn't want to kill me. I can help him. Then Dexter shows her a video of him killing somebody and somehow then changes her mind. But if Dexter didn't freak Vogel out, Vogel maybe wouldn't have played her cards and showed Oliver that she betrayed him again. And Vogel probably would have lived through this episode if Dexter hadn't uh, fought so hard against his rehabilitation, which is... <laughs> um, I'm not sure what your language barriers are here, but it's kind of a dick move on Dexter's part. Uh, he gave... He, he gave Zach Hamilton the chance, didn't he? And, and yes, Oliver's killed worse people, or he's killed more people. But, I don't know, like, weren't Oliver's first five victims, like, Vogel's crazy serial killer people? Like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, just like, my having doubts about whether or not the Marshal is actually a threat, um, and questioning uh, Dexter's decision to kill Saxon, it's just... It, it, it weighs down um, the tension uh, that I might be feeling otherwise if Dexter had clear reasons to go after him. Um, and he's, like, never presented, you know, good reason. He, I mean, like, here's a good reason you might want to kill Saxton. Like, okay, uh, here's, a like, everybody who's um, been a victim, aside from his girlfriend, Saxton's victims have been Vogel's patients. Deborah is a patient of Vogel's. I don't see why Dexter's not like, oh, you know, yeah, me, Hannah, and Harrison can skip Miami, but what if, you know, what if he threatens Deborah? That seems like a, you know, that seems like a great reason to kill him. If, you know, I don't know. Okay, let's move on slightly to another thing that was weighing down the tension, which is just some weird bits here and there, like, um, Masuka's daughter is smoking pot. That's, that's great, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's supposed to be something we're laughing at, or, I, I just don't know. It's like, what other writers putting that in for? Like, it, is Masuka's final arc that he's kind of forced to be responsible, or, I mean, I don't know. Um, Okay, but I'll, no, I'll, I'll end this on a happier or more positive note since it's coming around um, six minutes right now. Um, hey, everyone, uh, just give Harrison a break. Uh, that's what I'd like to throw out there. Give Harrison a break. Um, treadmills are dangerous things uh, for children. I certainly, um, at a younger age, have had... Uh, I, I, I had a, a bad accident with a treadmill. I didn't get stitches on my chin, but, um, they're, they're scary. <laughs> and certainly, um, if Harrison's wound required stitches, Hannah couldn't have just, you know, you know, um, so give Hannah a break too. Anyone who's saying, why would Hannah go to an ER? Like, uh, Hannah doesn't have Dexter's weird resources. Maybe Dexter would just find some creepy goat, like, underground 
doctor if he was a fugitive and his son was hurt. Like, but Hannah, he's like, oh, you know, Dexter's son is hurt. You know, this kid that loves me and I love him, I gotta take him to the hospital. That's, you know, I, I think she would rather, you know, put herself at risk rather than sacrifice Harrison. I don't know. Um, and, you know, if, if you want to give Harrison some, or, you know, it's the child actor, but, like, he's being directed, you know. Um, Gareth, you have kids, I'm sure you know this, but, like, Harrison tumbles like that, he's not going to go ow, ow, ow. He's going to let out a blood-curdling, you know, scream. You know, he's going to scream Bloody Mary. And, um, you know, maybe that's some direction that somebody could have given the child after playing Harrison. Uh, or maybe they're not allowed to have a kid do that. Maybe that's, like, enforcing some kind of, like, psychological or trauma on a child actor. So maybe they have to settle for ow, ow, ow. But Harrison falling on the treadmill is uh, entirely plausible. Um, if not, maybe... Uh, like you said, foreshadowed by Chekhov's treadmill. Um, I might have liked that scene a little bit more if the treadmill was kind of there in the background the whole episode and they didn't show us that Harrison was interested in it before to, you know, kind of give us some warning that that was going to happen. If, you know, if Harrison just out of the blue decided to go on the treadmill, that'd be perfectly possible. Kids would do that all the time. Um, anyways, uh, okay, so I'm in like eight minutes, so that's all I got, Gareth. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks, Ken. I had to trim that a little because there was some interference, some tapping sounds that drowned your voice a little bit. Sorry about that, but your point about the marshal not being very threatening, I agree. The, the guy isn't projecting a mean, uh, formidable serious exterior, but he is a US Marshal, whatever his characteristics. He has certain lawful powers that could certainly... Uh, um, excuse me, sorry. Uh, and, and he could certainly call in assistance to help him get to Hannah. Now he knows that Deb and probably Dex were lying. So he does pose a serious threat, even if the man himself has a slightly genial personality, if genial is the right word. I don't think it is, but you know what I mean. Now, does Dexter need to kill Oliver Saxon? I would argue no, he doesn't. But now that he's arguably as close to human as he's ever been, he's being driven by very personal emotions, human emotions. He really could do with remembering how pursuing a dangerous man can lead to major personal loss and leave this one alone and, and go quietly to Argentina. And who knows, maybe he does decide that in the next week, but suffers a tragedy anyway. I mean, we know Oliver's a loose cannon now, with absolutely nothing to lose, and perhaps a very strong vendetta to follow through on. It'll probably end in tears. I would just say that we don't know the full extent of Oliver's crimes. We know of his victims, as depicted during the timeline of this season, but he must be early 30s now, right? Thereabouts? The Asylum Fire, he was about 17, was it? Or 18, did they say? So what happened in between? Did he kill in that time? It would be naive to think not. I bet he did. But basically, I don't think his crimes are limited to what we've seen in the show this season. 
Thanks, Ken. An email now from Jerry Hopper, who says, Well, six episodes have passed since I last sent in feedback, and I wish I could say that I was feeling more enthusiastic, but alas, I'm not. For the last several weeks, I've been trying to figure out exactly why I'm so unhappy about this season, and I finally figured it out. I should say that I have loved Dexter since season one, and I even liked seasons five and six. Every season, I've been very excited to watch the next episode and pleased with the writing. Season six was a little slow, but I still enjoyed it. I hate to compare Dexter to Breaking Bad, but as a fan of both shows, and this being the last season of both shows, I cannot help but to see the huge difference in writing quality. I was listening to the Breaking Bad podcast last week, and Vince Gilligan said that he and the writers love to get their characters into a corner, and then find a way out that not only rings true, but surprises the audience. This is exactly what is wrong with Dexter this season. In past seasons, Dexter has been backed into many corners. Ice Truck Killer, Bay Harbor Butcher Investigation, Rita's Death, Deb Walking In on Travis's Murder. In all of those situations, the writers found a way for Dexter to get out of the impossible spot he was in and it made for fantastic TV. What has been bugging me is why in the world they just dropped the ball on what should have been, or could have been, the deepest, darkest corner Dexter has ever been in. Deb killing LaGuerta was completely pointless if there were never going to be ramifications for Dexter. I mean, seriously, no one is questioning the fact that Dokes and LaGuerta both were looking a little too closely at Dexter and then are murdered. No one in the whole department has any doubts that she may have been onto something. I hate to say this, but I honestly wish they'd just let Deb shoot Dexter and ended the series last season. I honestly don't want to see him die, but this season is so terrible. We have all these new characters and we know that they're not going to be around long, so there is no drive to become invested in them. I couldn't help wondering, while watching the show this week, what the actors of the show must have thought about the writing this season. Surely they were not happy with this mediocre storyline. I'm just frustrated and I hate to be such a downer, but what a waste. I'm not a TV writer, but I can envision a, envision a season 8 that starts off immediately in the shipping container. Deb is hysterical and Dexter has to figure out how to fix his situation. There is so much opportunity for suspense and tension. I would much rather see Dexter in danger by a character we know and care about than the pointless brain surgeon. I guess I'll keep watching to see whether Dexter is killed by the brain surgeon or runs off to Argentina with Hannah, but I honestly don't care either way at this point. Thanks very much, Jerry. Some very good points there, not least your points about writing Dexter into a corner and, and coming up with an inventive way of him getting out of it. The whole LaGuerta thing was... Well, it all happened off-screen, didn't it, in between seasons and, and tied up very neatly. I still wish Batista had stumbled across something in, in LaGuerta's stuff and, and found some evidence and documents and maybe that footage of Deb uh, to lead him to start suspecting Dexter and maybe Deb as being involved. They never tire of finding ways to have Miami PD look stupid, do they? Surely Batista or Quinn, who of course had his own doubts about Dexter, surely one of them could have put the two together, Dokes and LaGuerta, and thought like you suggest, and it could have made for a very different final season. Danielle Hawley in Australia is emailed to say, What has happened to one of my favourite TV shows? It has lost its way. Someone should bundle up all the little, little ill-fitting pieces in black plastic bags, take them out on the boat and toss them overboard. I can hardly believe that with the luxury of knowing you have two years to conclude a drama that you could get it so wrong. 
the story isn't cohesive. And those few attempts at fan service aren't pulling at the heartstrings. It just doesn't feel right. Even Harry seems wrong. He used to be the voice of reason, and now he seems to be urging Dexter into more dangerous activity. I guess we're supposed to be witnessing the metamorphosis of Dexter from an unfeeling killing machine into a human, hence the role reversal. But I'll say it again, it doesn't feel right, and we've seen it before. My personal investment in Dexter, the show, has dissipated. Even when Vogel was killed, I wasn't overly surprised. And after all, Dexter kept saying how much danger she was in, how much Oliver liked to kill, etc. So it was well telegraphed. There were so many things that bugged me. I think I'll put them in point form. 1. Harrison and the running machine. A ridiculous amount of blood for such a cut. Almost looked like someone cut his throat. 2. Hannah at the hospital. Hello, Mr Marshall. Come and get me. 3. More amazing computer hacking skills from Dexter. Clickety-click and I will find you, Oliver. 4. Dexter telling Batista at a crime scene of all places, Hey, by the way, I think I'm going to quit. With a squished bike rider in the background. Talk about appropriate. Come to think of it, what exactly was the point of that? 5. Deb and Quinn. Oh, how sweet. Thank God, Dex, thank God Deb doesn't love Dex anymore. Suddenly she's let him go, just like that. 6. Jamie the super nanny. I had no idea she was studying, but anyway, when did she get the time to do it? I hate that I feel this way. Why were so many new characters introduced in this final season? <coughs> Excuse me. It has certainly detracted from a feeling of finality. I was re willing to think they might have some greater purpose, but it doesn't seem like it. It suggests to me that the writers just didn't have enough good ideas and material to cover 12 episodes, so needed filler. I don't envy your job this week. Thanks, Danielle. All good points there. Deb running back to Quinn. It did make her look a bit inconsistent this week. She's been wrapped up in Dexter for all this time, entertaining the notion of being in love with him of all things, and then she goes to Quinn and says she still has feelings for him. I mean, did she suddenly forget all that other stuff? You'd think, given the circumstances, she might be a bit cautious about starting or rekindling a romantic relationship. It wasn't very logical to me and detracted from the character they've worked hard to develop as the true heart of the show. Thanks again, Danielle. Here's an email from Mike Lanich, who says, As we reach the final episodes of Dexter, it's inevitable that we look back towards the show's beginning. And sadly, as we look back, it's obvious that the product we are watching now bears less resemblance to the one we saw last season, and far less than the one we bore witness to eight years ago. One of the things that the writers have been extremely guilty of over the last few years is their reliance on mini-storylines that pop up and are resolved or completely forgotten in the span of just two or three episodes. Zack was around just long enough for his screen time to become irrelevant and meaningless upon his death. What was the point of his existence in the last season of the show? Is Oliver really going to be the last big bad on Dexter? Personally, he frightens me as much as a toothache. After a pretty good run of four to five episodes earlier this season, it's all been downhill. Dexter simply could not live without Deb in his life, only to eventually decide that moving to Argentina and leaving her behind was something he could handle. I guess he doesn't need Deb anymore. Again, why make this such an important point, only to turn around and go the opposite direction? I guess once Hannah came into the picture, Deb suddenly doesn't hold such a large piece of Dexter's heart. It makes me feel scared for Deb. Suddenly she feels expendable. Is it just me, or does the whole spin-off theory centering around Deb feel more like a smokescreen? Could Deb die? I wasn't all that jazzed about the whole Deb-Quinn reunion. 
Rather than coming from a place of confidence and security, Deb's leaving seemed to bring about the old Deb... Who, sorry, read that again. <laughs> Dexter's, le Dexter's leaving seemed to bring out the old Deb who would rush into things like this. Good point. Uh, Mike says, a nice call back to the early seasons, Deb. But it seems like a complete change from the more mature Deb we've seen. And what's with keeping Batista and everyone else around? I like others... I, like others, figured that Batista would find out Dexter's secret and the manhunt would begin. I wanted the breakneck pace we all felt was coming after LaGuerta's death last season. The show has failed to deliver on this and sadly much more as well. Let's hope the last few episodes manage to actually live up to the level this whole season should have been. Thanks, Mike. You bring up a good point about these mini storylines. Two or three episode arcs. Many of which don't have any bearing on the season's wider storyline. I don't recall them doing this in the early days. Shall we call it the Clyde Phillips era? Something you and I talked about offline yesterday. It really doesn't help these supporting characters mean very much or make their demise terribly powerful or moving. Zack is a good example. He felt rushed and they only gave us one episode in which he was likeable, remotely likeable, and then killed him. Your comments about Deb are good, and obviously I exclaimed good point as I was reading your email. I fear for her too. She's being positioned in too much of a cosy position, like it's possible she could be just fine if and when Dexter leaves town. She needs to watch her back. With only two episodes left, she's not vital to the continuation of the show anymore. Okay, um iTunes reviews, there's been, uh, well I've noticed four since um, I last gave a shout out for these. Apologies to anybody I've missed. If you have left an iTunes review uh, and not been credited on the podcast before, and obviously I can't scour the iTunes store for every country for new reviews for people to thank. Uh, so just give me a, a tweet or um, an email if, if you'd like a credit. Uh, thanks to Chris McGee, One Runner, One Two Three Four Five Six, Babs Seven One One Seven, and Lightning SVT uh, for their positive reviews. Thanks very much. It does help the podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. Uh, the listener lines in the US it's six four six two 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 six one two two. In the UK, oh eight four four five seven nine six nine four nine. And you enter mailbox oh eight three two zero when the voice prompts you. There's also email dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you could also send an mp3 voice recording file or any format voice recording file really um, to get your voice on the podcast. Uh, there's Twitter at dissectdexter and the Facebook page www.facebook.com slash dissectingdexter. Just before I close out this section and we have one more bit of feedback to get to. As is usual at the end of the season, and with only two episodes left, I'll just give you the usual heads up. Uh, I do plan to do a top five, uh, a countdown of the top five moments from the season, as voted for by you, the discerning listener. And um, I dare say I'll, I'll make my own votes as well, just to throw them into the hat. Um, so start having a think now, and, and who knows, there, there's... There are likely to be uh, at least one or two candidates still to come in, in the last couple of episodes. So don't email me your list just yet. Wait till after the finale, of course. But um, start having a think now, maybe, about your favourite moments from the season so far. Um, and, and rank them in order. One being the best. 
uh, and so on through to five and uh, and, and email those into me um, after the finale is aired and I shall put those together for a, a top five podcast probably I don't know maybe three weeks after the finale because we've got the uh, the usual finale podcast and um, and the feedback extravaganza because there's bound to be plenty uh, which I'll do as two separate podcasts right last word for the feedback is from Travis here we go Gareth what a, look that's it that should be the end of this feedback that noise what is there to do what is there to say what well, everyone's got the same thing to say man I don't know it's tough it's Travis and it's just disappointing I don't know all I got what did you guys hear that is that a train oh shit that's the Hannah hate train that's coming right into dissecting Dexter Station. Oh, sh- oh my God! Looks like everyone's on board. Is everybody on board the Hannah Hate Train? Oh shit! I got to get on board. Woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah! Everybody's having a good time, right? Yeah, I know Hannah sucks. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah, I'll be right back in a minute, girls. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Everyone just thought I was insane. Everyone thought I was being a dick last year when I said Hannah was the worst. Now everyone's on my side. I feel so vindicated. She's bad news in shoes. Yeah. Yo, use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let that hate flow through you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's so great. Yeah, good to see everybody hating. It's the worst. All right, yo, ham, we'll be right back, ladies. Hold on. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that foolishness. Sorry, sorry, you had to be bear witness to that. Oh, this show's got me going crazy. Despite that whole thing, I do not take pleasure in any of this. I don't. This isn't what any of us wanted. We don't want the show to be like this. What is going on? <sighs> I, I don't got anything really to say. Yeah, I've made my said my piece. Uh, everybody's going to be saying really nice things about how they feel, and it's all the truth. I I I feel bad for Batista or, or David Zayas. I mean that dude. I don't know how much he really cares, but that dude just looks like a chump that Batista does. He doesn't believe anything anyone tells him, like, oh yeah, what's that socio? Oh yeah, you're just, oh, you're just now bothered by your wife's murder from four years ago? That's just now bothering you? Oh, totally, that's fine. Yeah, you can just quit your job. Oh, you're going to go travel the, the world? Oh, that's great, yeah. Oh, it's totally not suspicious that your convicted murderer girlfriend is probably back in town. At least that's what the FBI thinks. Totally, that's fine. Come on, man. And then Deb, Deb is coming back to work for, work for the Metro, work for the police. Like it's just that, just that easy. Just, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just over it. Everything that's bothered me, I'm over it. I'm gonna be a cop again. Oh yeah, Quinn, yeah, let's totally make out, me and you. Yeah, that's fine. It's like nothing ever changed, totally. What the fuck? What is it, what was everything for? What is this whole, what is everything about? You know, what is this, what does it mean? When Le- when Deb kills Laguerta, when Deb has this hatred for Hannah, when Deb does things to save Dexter, and Dexter turns Hannah in for Deb, and then everything just doesn't matter. It's all different. What does it mean? This show's freaking me out. What does life mean? What is is it worth living? What am I doing? Maybe I should go get my GED, go back to night school. You know, this show's turning me around. You know, I don't know. 
I'll tell you one one thing, Gareth. That Jeremy Headington's podcast never freaked me out like this, man. Anyway, yeah, I had a whole bit planned where I was gonna pretend uh, I had like an intern or something, and I was gonna catch her smoking pot like Batiste or uh, Masuka did with his daughter. I, I had a whole thing planned out, but it's like one one thirty a.m. right now. I, I ain't got time for that. Um, it, trust me, though, it would have maybe been funny, maybe. But uh, all right, I'll just leave you. I'll leave you. I think I found Harrison's acting coach online. Here, I'll, I'm gonna play a clip of Harrison falling off the treadmill. By the way, don't don't act like they didn't like they didn't uh, totally put a grown ass man on that treadmill pretend to be Harrison. But yeah, here's a clip of Harrison falling off the treadmill. And then here's a clip of that. Remember that YouTube clip of that that lady stomping grapes and fall. <laughs> I'm laughing to think about it. That lady stomps the grapes and like falls off and hurts herself. Yeah, here's listen to her, and they're like the same. Arts and crafts. It's a lot of fun. A whole day. Stop. Oh. Anyway, I don't know if that is funny when you listen to it, um, but but uh, I don't know. Keep your keep your chins up or your heads up. Keep keep it all up. Keep it in your pants too. And um, I don't know. Maybe next week there'll be something to get excited over, huh? Yeah, you know who knows. Could could happen. Anything could happen. I, I might grow wings and learn to play the electric guitar and fly on the wing of an eagle to Mordor. You never know. It could happen. We'll see. And so, as another podcast draws to a close, I feel quite saddened at where we all are with this. Um, As I said, I'm not taking it personally, (laughs) but wouldn't it have been great if this, these last few podcasts would have been a celebration of a fantastic season, capping off a wonderful series. Not without its highs and lows. What show doesn't have its highs and lows? But wouldn't have that been more fun to have been looking back and and thinking of how breathless we've been this season and on tenderhooks every week, not knowing what would happen, not knowing who would survive, who wouldn't. Um, Do you know what I mean? It's... It makes me sad for this show that I've loved that we are where we are and and the strength of some of the opinions out there is it's it's tough to um it's tough to read really and I'm sure those of you who do have these strong negative opinions feel equally saddened by having to um having to feel like this and that the show has put you in this position 
Um, and again, none of you are wrong to feel that way. You know, your opinion is, is your opinion, and, and how can it be wrong? But two episodes left. What can they do? What's going to happen? Join me again in a week's time, and we'll dissect some more Dexter together. So until then, thanks very much for your support, as always. Take care, guys. Bye for now. Yeah.